You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. I also want to shout out the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, which is coming back. It went on a little hiatus while they found some new hosts. Eric Crocker has the scouting, Ryan Tracy has the analytics, and they're going to get you going on draft season if you're really ready to give up on the Vikings and look at the 2022 draft. Those guys are there with you, so go check out the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Today on the show, I want to focus on the Bengals game. And and I want to focus in a way, and if you're new to the show, this is how we kind of always do Wednesdays. It's that I, I colloquially call them, you know, rewatch Wednesdays or what happened Wednesdays, right? And we'll also talk to Ed Smith at the tail end of the show. Ed Smith played for a bunch of teams, including 98 Falcons, so screw him. Uh, but he does believe in Cardinals, talk about the Cardinals a little bit, talked about snap counts, talked about what it's like to kind of be in the huddle and the things you have to remember, get a little bit of an insider thing on the problem that plagued the Vikings so in week one. But I want to talk about what really happened in that game and kind of a goal that I have for this uh, this season is to not get wrapped up in the noise. There's a lot of noise, and I don't just want to regurgitate someone else's take to you. I want to try to really get to the crux of what happened, and uh, you know, I, I hope you can come along on that journey with me, and let's all learn out loud together. So uh, I watched through the coach's film of the Bengals game and came away with a couple of other takes that I want to go through with you. A few things that really stood out to me um, and some things that I think are a little bit more actionable than just this player did well, this player did poorly. Um, But there were some takes that I can kind of come away with. For example, um, we'll start with a happy one. KJ Osborne was really good. He made too many mistakes in terms of knowing the calls and knowing the plays. There was a tunnel screen where he just thought he was the guy who was supposed to catch the screen, and it was actually a screen to JJ, to Justin Jefferson. And uh, KJ Osborne, like, turned around and was ready to catch a pass, but he was actually supposed to be blocking. The whole thing got blown up because he didn't know what his role was on the play. That's inexcusable, especially for a second-year player. You got to get that mistake taken care of, right? But he was open constantly. He was a fantastic receiver. And look, he didn't exactly have a hidden stat line. It was seven catches for like 70-some yards. It's like a pretty good uh, stat line, but he was open so much more than that. Like, if every play that he was open went to him, he could have got like 150 yards. It was incredible. And while the Bengals gave so much attention to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, um, KJ Osborne looks like he might actually be able to punish that, and that would be so, so, so huge. Now, the things preventing uh, the Vikings from punishing that were uh, sometimes Kirk just didn't read it or didn't look his way or didn't find the deep thing because he was already under pressure and he was looking to check down too fast or something like that. Sometimes they were like genuinely mistakes on Kirk Cousins, but I think for the most part it was, you know, pressure flushing Kirk Cousins out and then he can't look deep, uh, or it was, you know, just the read didn't call for that. There were a couple of times where... Kirk Cousins, and I, I tweeted about this, and I got into a couple back and, back and forth with people about this. So Kirk Cousins, I think he made some pre-snap mistakes. Or There's one in particular, uh, which was the play. It was ultimately a holding call on Garrett Bradbury, 
And it was the play where he held the ball for like forever, for like five and a half seconds. And then he threw one to Adam Thielen. That could have been a catch fumble, maybe, but it was a holding call. And the whole thing was waved off. Um, so on that, that play was slant flat. And as an aside, the Vikings ran slant, slant flat, I thought, way too much in this game. Um, that was like clearly a staple concept for them, and they just ran it over and over and over again. Now, they can build off that, and they can do variants of slant flat. You know, you can turn those slants into sluggos, slant goes, um, and then suddenly have a you know a big play if, if uh, guys get too aggressive on slant flat. But I thought they just ran the same concept, like, a lot. Um, but what you had with that play was slant flat. And K.J. Osborne and D.D. Westbrook were on the weak side of the formation where the tight end wasn't. And then where the tight end was was Tyler Conklin. And that was Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So Kirk Cousins chose the Conklin, Jefferson, Thielen side of the formation, which is what you usually do. The thing is, in that case, they were a man down on the weak side. They were outnumbered over there because D.D. Westbrook was lined up like kind of in line almost like he was lined up really tight. And the guy that was on him, like it, it created all this space in that part of the formation. It created a bunch of space and the guy that was on him backed off into his own and it wasn't like man coverage. All of this is to say it kind of was clear pre-snap that the corner on the weak side was going to be in conflict and KJ Osborne was going to be open. And if KJ Osborne wasn't open, DD Westbrook was going to be open. There was a corner that was responsible for two players on that play. You could have identified it pre-snap. Kirk Cousins didn't. And he ended up having to kind of wait forever for a guy to get open. And while he was waiting forever, somebody held. So it was just like, eh, why'd you pick that side of the formation pre-snap? And this is a fairly like deep criticism, right? This is not like a super obvious thing. And I might not even be right about it. Um, that kind of leads me to a grander point which is we don't have to take every singular instance. Like, I just spent a lot of time explaining that one instance because it's an interesting instance. We do not have to zoom that out and make it a grand referendum. My take is not that pre that, that Kirk Cousins was bad pre-snap in this game. I think he made that pre-snap mistake, um, and I think there were some other pre-snap things he did well. He identified some one-on-ones, um, or uh, there's one in particular where he, like, identified that Justin Jefferson would be one-on-one -on -one with Chidobe Awuzie, and he threw that go ball, and, and he had Justin Jefferson on a go route down the sideline. He threw that ball, ended up incomplete, but I like that he was thinking that way pre-snap. Um, and I think overall pre-snap, he was he's usually a pretty good quarterback pre-snap, and I think he was himself pre-snap. But that particular mistake was interesting, and I think it's worth explaining. It's not a grand referendum on everything, though. And I think generally we have to be better about not letting very specific moments uh, become grand referendums on everything. Um, that's, I think, what's happening with Garrett Bradbury, too. Not only, I mean, people just kind of parrot his PFF grade. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to just say, look, bad PFF grade, Garrett Bradbury, bad, fire everybody. I, I'd want to be smarter than that, right? Um, and maybe I come to the same conclusion, Bradbury, bad. And that, that, yeah, he didn't have a good game. I notched like five or six mistakes. That's too many. Um, but I don't want to, like, I, I don't want to shortcut my way to that, you know? And Garrett Bradbury had one play that everybody's really focusing on, which was a BJ Hill sack on... Uh, I think it was third and forever, second and forever, um, way deep in the Vikings' own territory. It was the one where he got walked back into the quarterback, um, and it was a sack after like four seconds. And Garrett Bradbury held up on that play long enough for Kirk Cousins to have bailed on that pocket, and you should expect the quarterback to bail on that pocket. Every Basically, every sack that happens after about three seconds is either the quarterback's fault or the receiver's fault. Um, you just can't ask your offensive line to block for more than three seconds. That's just like a sort of a rule of thumb about offensive line. If it's past three seconds, the ball's got to be out. 
Um, and, and three seconds is forever in the NFL, by the way. That's not like I know three seconds doesn't sound like a lot in the NFL. Three seconds is long enough for basically every play to develop. Um, you, you don't really draw plays that can't have the ball out after three seconds. So I, I don't know. It, it wasn't a great game for Bradbury. I think he made some mistakes in the run game um, and and, you know, didn't get on the right side of his guy or whatever. I think there were some miscommunications in the run game between him and Ole Udo that uh sort of sunk some run plays as well. Um, but I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't think he was worse than Rashad Hill or Ezra Cleveland. Like, if you're going to fix the offensive line, you got to fix that left side before you even look at the center because Rashad Hill was terrible. And we know Rashad Hill was terrible, and so was Ezra Cleveland. They were getting killed out there. Um, there's a lot more that I want to talk about. But first, I want to talk to you about Grambling Vikings plus four going into Arizona. Uh, so if you think the Vikings can cover that spread, go bet them. If you don't, go bet against them. Go make a gramble of some sort or other. You can find all of whatever you want, props, odds, uh, you know, in-game props and stuff like that. You find that all here on betonline.ag. It is your number one stop for all things Grambling, and you can get a 100% welcome bonus if you sign up on your mobile or desktop. Go sign up there and then enter promo code NFL100 when you make your first deposit. They will match whatever you put in. You put in 500 bucks, they'll match it 500 more. And you just get 500 bucks of free grambling money. What kind of deal is that? You can get all sorts of things, not just football, too. You can bet on basketball, baseball, hockey, your favorite Vegas casino games, anything you want at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so we talked a lot about the offense, uh, but I want to talk about the defense as, as well, some of the things that I noticed on defense. Um, some really interesting things that I noticed on defense, honestly, and then we'll get to the conversation with Ed Smith about snap counts and about being a player and stuff like that, but also a little bit about the Arizona Cardinals, who he covers over on his podcast. So uh, we'll get to that. But first, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me somehow, some way, <laughs> the all 22 made Bashad Breland look worse than I already thought he did. Uh, he was absolutely lost out there. He made so many mistakes. And what's concerning about it is it wasn't the same mistake over and over again. You know, if it was just like, oh, he just like needs to retweak this dial. You know, if he's just, oh, he's got his eyes looking the wrong place. He fixes his eyes. You fix all the problems. But it's not that. You fix one problem. You fixed one rep. You got five other reps with five other problems to fix. And that's really unfortunate. We talked a little bit on uh, Monday uh, about the Jamar Chase touchdown, the big long one, where he, I think he just misread the play and he thought that route was going to break in and it didn't. So he never turned his hips to run with it. And Jamar Chase catches a touchdown because Bashad Breland just never turned, just never committed. Um, there was another play, though, where he got caught looking at Jamar Chase's shoulders and the shoulders kind of turned outside. And Jamar Chase was actually breaking inside. As a cornerback, you got to keep your eyes on the hips of the receiver. You just look at his waist. And that will, there's no way, it's physically impossible for a receiver to run away. His hips are not pointed, so follow the hips. And the shoulders can shimmy and lie to you and all that stuff. It's like Shakir, the hips don't lie. Uh, that's like a big cornerback thing. And I think he got caught kind of cheating, looking at the eyes, looking at the the shoulders or something like that. And he ends up giving up a big catch. Um, I think he, he he was like hurt on his shoulder, but honestly, these mistakes are not excused by a shoulder injury. Like they weren't mistakes of of speed or of running ability to me. They were mistakes of of technique and discipline, and that's really unfortunate and difficult to just say. Well, hope that gets fixed. Like I don't know how you what you I don't know how you can fix all that stuff like on a week to week basis. You just kind of have to hope that Breland had weird jitters or something up in his head and and that he can get over that. 
Um, it was just, it was really bad. He was overstepping. He was, his eyes were bad. His reads were bad. He, it was just like a really concerning performance. On the other hand, though, I thought Patrick Peterson had a decent game. And you might disagree with me because you saw one rep of Jamar Chase get running a phenomenal route against him uh, that was posted on like the Checkdown and Sports Center's Twitter page and stuff like that. Um, that route, was, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes so you can follow along, but that route was just really phenomenal. Um, essentially you get a corner that is playing outside leverage, which means, uh, that he's got his hips pointed to the outside, like hips pointed over toward the sideline, which is what you do if you're worried about a goal ball down the sideline. Um, if you are covering the entire sideline, you do that. And usually you do that when you have like some sort of inside help, because it's really, really difficult to cover inside breaking routes when your hips are pointed the opposite way. Um, so if you have help on that, then you can kind of commit. And that's what Patrick Peterson was doing. It seemed like he was just uh, responsible for that whole sideline. And uh, if you can get that corner to turn his hips to run with you, you can then attack the blind spot that that creates. If he turns his hips you know, upfield, that means he's got his back to you. And then you can take advantage of that blind spot. And that's exactly what Jamar Chase did. There's not really anything you can do about that as a corner. It's just a thing that happens to corners sometimes when they're playing that particular technique. It's just a way to attack it. Great play on the rookie. I don't think it reflects that poorly on Patrick Peterson. And I thought Patrick Peterson had a pretty good day. He, he uh, had a bit of a tiff with PFF on his podcast and PFF crediting him with catches that he didn't think were his fault. Um, and I do think that that's just an issue with PFF having to credit every catch to someone. You know, he was just the nearest defender on some catches that just weren't his assignment at all, but he was the closest guy. So PFF chalks it up to them and they don't downgrade him for that. So like whatever. Um, but I kind of get where, where Patrick Peterson's coming from there. I liked the game that Patrick Peterson had. Um, I, I, I'll take that every time the, the way that he played. Um, I, I think Nick Vigil had a really up and down game. If it weren't for the missed tackles, he had a fantastic game, but he did miss some tackles and like you have to put that in. I thought DJ Wanham got absolutely wrecked. I thought Steven Weatherly had an okay game. Um, Michael Pierce really pops off the tape. He got double teamed a ton and you just can't move him even with a double team. It's incredible to just watch a guy take on two gigantic offensive linemen and not give up an inch. Um, I thought Dalvin Tomlinson was pretty disruptive. I thought he he had a very quietly good game because all of the plays were like, you know, runs for one yard that you kind of don't pay a lot of attention to, but like that's him um, and Nick Vigil too. I thought Blake Lynch had a really cool game. Blake Lynch, uh, he can't two gap and he had to two gap last year. And what that means is you're responsible for two gaps. He was backup Eric Kendricks last year uh, alongside Troy Dye. And that was obviously not good. He wasn't ready to play. He was a rookie. I think he's put on some some bulk since then um but now he's only covering one gap he's the third linebacker and he's usually playing in situations where he only has to worry about one gap just you just run between those two guys and make a tackle and he just fires like out of a cannon like he's at a sprinter's blocks and he shoots that gap and he makes the disruption and he did that a bunch of times on sunday it was really cool to watch his improvement it's really encouraging um and i thought eric kendricks was eric kendricks even though he missed a couple tackles uh and i, I Bashad Breeland also had trouble tackling, although that's probably not fair because he made like three really, really big plays in the run game. Um, so defensively, and the safeties I thought were like fine. Xavier Woods messed up that uh, fourth and one. He needed to go vertical more than horizontal. He kind of got beat on that leak um, on the, you know, the final play of, or the final meaningful play of overtime, that big long fourth and inches that they got. Uh, yeah, that was a bad one on Xavier Woods, but otherwise I thought he had a good game. He had the one pass breakup that he, you know, knocked the ball out of, uh, receiver's hands with his helmet. That was pretty cool. That was another bad play on, uh, Bashad Breland, by the way. Um, 
So, or maybe that was Chris Boyd. And Chris Boyd came in for a little bit and he had some trouble. He had some trouble keeping his footing. Uh, a lot of players did. There was a lot of slipping and sliding all over the place there. Um, so, yeah, th- there are some thoughts to, to be had there. Um, I think I come away with the All-22 at least knowing a little bit more what I think the Vikings have to fix. But I, I think a lot of it is still just those penalties, which brings me to the Ed Smith conversation. First question that I'm going to ask him here is about snap counts and about like, hey, what goes into that? I never played. I am not a, a football player. I'm a stick stickly little nerd. <laughs> so let me get a football, real former football player in here to tell me how these snap counts work and kind of tell me what the process is like. So we'll do that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about DirecTV Stream, which is a really cool way to consolidate all of your uh, TV watching woes. No more of this, you know, different device. One's got this service. One's got that service. Logging into all your different things. You're watching this on your phone and you're watching that on the tablet and all that. No more of that. Go to DirecTV.com and get rid of some of the clutter. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. The best part, no annual contract. So get rid of all of that confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. I also want to talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar. Built Bar is a delicious way to get a ton of protein without a lot of carbs and without a lot of sugar. And it just tastes like a candy bar. Feels like cheating. They've got uh, like a chocolate cherry, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate mint, all kinds of delicious flavors. I recommend the sampler gives you two of each of their nine main series flavors. And there's also some special ones that pop up on the website every now and again. So make sure you check out the website built.com for some of those limited time offers. But go to built.com, whatever you buy, you can enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. All right, everybody, I am so excited to have a very special guest, uncle of our tight end, Irv Smith, and uh, former NFL, European football, XFL tight end, uh, been around, Ed Smith. What's going on, man? And also, of course, host of Believe in Cardinals. It's great to be here, man. You know, I uh, really, uh, we were talking before, the show kicked off here, a lot of stuff to jump into uh, with both of our teams, you know, how we uh, you know, our expectations for week one, I think they were both shattered a little bit. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's hard to know, like, what to make about the Cardinals. I want to ask you a little bit about them in a bit. But first, I, I we got some business at home we got to take care of. Um, first, uh, you destroyed me as a child because you were on the 98 Falcons. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, this... Mm, I was six years old and it six stinks to this day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but okay. So obviously, you know, you've played for a bunch of years. The Vikings had a whole bunch of problems in week one. I don't know how much you paid attention to this game, but they had five false starts in the first half um, and a bunch of procedural stuff. They had a couple of illegal formations and had all this trouble getting from the huddle to the snap of the ball without an issue. So I want to ask you about kind of the basics. I never played. Like, look at me. Um <laughs> So help me out with the basics of like, how do you get from the, uh, you know, the, the offensive coordinator has decided what play he wants to call to you as a player in the huddle have now heard what the play is, heard what the snap count is, heard what, you know, the protection is and all of that stuff. Like, tell me about the chain of communication as you're familiar with it. Okay. And I'll take even a, I'll start off by talking about a lot of the sloppy play that we're going to see in the first month of the season 
at least in my eyes, is going to come from how they've kind of chipped away at the offseason and the preseason and what the organizations are allowed or how much they're allowed to work the players, even mm-hmm. contact. The first month for a lot of teams is going to be like their preseason. You're going to see a lot of false sure. starts. You're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, guys missing assignments. Um, a lot of brain cramps going on out there. As far as the snap, and you know, and here's the, the I guess, the big myth. A lot of people think you hear a play and you get the snap count and then you go to the line and then you run the play. That's hardly the case. Uh, you can have situations where, and I was, you know, being a tight end, we would hear something called check, check with me, meaning we were going to go to the line. We had two plays we were going to run. We didn't know which one we were going to run mm-hmm. until we got to the line and saw what the defense was giving us. And it could be a run and a pass. So we had to listen for the code, color, and then, you know, we might change formation, and then it was either a run or a pass play. So that's part of it. You also have the situations, obviously, quarterback goes through the formations, motions, throws a play out there, and, you know, on two, on two, break. You go to the line of scrimmage, and all of a sudden there, the defense is in this funky look because you can't run this particular play against. Now we have what's called the audible. Now right, all of a sudden, now you got to change it. We got to change it, and along with that, it all depends on, okay, if we audible now, we're going on every snap is on one. Or if we audible, every snap is on two. So as a player, you got 40 seconds between plays. By the time you get to the line of scrimmage, you know, the countdown is on. It's usually around 20 seconds or so. Then all of a sudden the play has changed, and now you're thinking of your new assignment, and you also have to remember that snap count. So there's all types of things, you know, that go on before a play even starts. And, you know, those are the things that behind the scenes fans, they'll see a guy jump off sides or move early. You have no idea the complexity of how much is probably running through his brain. Now, the disciplined teams, though, are the ones that drill it into you. And all the mistakes are made during the week of practice. So by the time you get to the scenario of the game with the crowd noise, with you're on the road, whatever it may be, now those two teams that are very disciplined, those are the teams that are well-coached and overcome those penalties and brain farts that I talked about. But it's far and few between. I think there's going to be a lot of sloppiness to start off the season on all fronts because of the lack of, like I said, preseason preparation. Yeah, and the Vikings certainly uh, contributed their fair share of pre-snap mistakes. They had (laughs) 17 flags in their first game, and now they're heading to Arizona. I haven't looked into Arizona like at all. I haven't even watched their first game. So point me in the right direction. What is what's the support? What should I look for to first kind of get to know the Cardinals? Oh my goodness, they, they they are still a mystery to me. And you know, we talked just a minute before the the uh, uh, start of the show. I'm I'm worried that our group out here, meaning our fan base, you see a game like this one that we just played, and man, they look so good. They look so crisp. They look so clean. I'm a little leery. I'm still on the fence. Like, okay, that could be an aberration. But it could be the sign that, you know, Kingsbury's got this train on the track. What I would keep an eye out for is if they come out and Chandler Jones again sets the tone with that defense. We saw him just wreak havoc with five sacks. We didn't hear a whole lot of all people. Yeah. We didn't hear a whole lot from JJ Watt and some others. If he's clicking on Austin, then you get those others doing what they're doing and we dial up pressure on Kirk. It could be a long, long day. I can't wait to look like deeper into it. Um, tell me about somebody that maybe I wouldn't think to look into that I probably should. Well, you know, we've got the two young rookie. I don't even know if we classify them as linebackers with 
uh, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Uh, the chess piece type. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of pieces that they can float around. Um, and we didn't see a whole lot from Zayvon in this game, but Isaiah actually showed that he was, uh, I think, up for the part. You know, it was year two for him. Things might be slowing down a little bit, but watch out for the both of them. The other one on the other side of the ball, Rondell Moore, that's our second round pick wide receiver. That dude's showing that. He's not a big dog, but he's got big dog mentality. Ed, thank you so much. Um, so you do believe in Cardinals. Um, so, yeah, tell me where we can find you and all your work and stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we do the Believe in Arizona Cardinals podcast on the Believe Network, and that's B-L-E-A-V. Uh, my partner, Javon Adams, and myself. We also do our uh, – every Saturday we do Easy Sports Talk out here on KDUS 1060 AM. show's been going for over four years now, uh, Saturday from 10 to noon, Arizona time. And then as far as all the handles, uh, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Ed Smith Speaks. You can also find us at the Easy Sports Talk. So, you know, we uh, uh, this is a busy time of the year for us. I'll be popping in all around these different places. And I really appreciate you having me on the show, man. Yeah, I appreciate your time. And uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, all that stuff will come, all the social and stuff will come on the screen or it'll be in the description or show notes or whatever. You can all find the links. Ed, thank you so much, man. You got it. Tomorrow is Crossover Thursday. We'll get a lot deeper into the Arizona Cardinals game. We are putting a bow on it. We're done with the Bengals now. This is it. The moratorium on the Bengals game. Uh, and we will talk about the Cardinals kind of from here on out. So we will do that. Can't wait to talk to Bo and Alex about all of that. So they have a lot to say about Patrick Peterson. I'm very excited. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Help you get your grambles straight. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.